0: Maddie Flint here, welcome back to another episode of my podcast, The Essentials. So the spring semester of college has begun. The weather is cold, life brings changes, including the purposeful changing of words to make them fit a specific narrative, to indoctrinate young minds. But how can anyone change words meanings? And why try to manipulate diction? What influence is this having on science majors? I'm gonna answer each of those questions in this episode. And to start, I wanna talk about my major. I know I've mentioned it before that I am a declared human biology major, um, and my minor is linguistics. I do personally feel like it was the best choice for me. And human bio incorporates many aspects of studying life, anatomical, physiological, biological, on a cellular and chemical level, linguistic and social. And that's great because I happen to be indecisive when it comes to making big long-term goals that will cement something in my future. And I think it has to do a lot with not wanting to be confined to one thing. And I'm a very creative, spontaneous person and making any sticking decision like that in a way alludes to like making a solid plan that I potentially may want to change but won't be able to change. And I kind of have that looming Fear almost of being trapped and I don't want that but since studying for a human biology degree gives me the room to study all of those things in great detail I feel really comfortable about it because I don't have to pick just one thing to focus in on narrowly and I wanted to study STEM and it is a STEM major um, because it's a bachelor's of science but maybe surprisingly to some It's not the biology department or the chemistry department that actually administers this diploma. It's the anthropology department. Anthropology is defined as the study of human societies and cultures and their development, or the study of human biological and physiological characteristics and their evolution. Now, while I do agree that those are correct, universities are focusing very highly on evolution and only from one perspective. And in a world where the left controls institutions, especially colleges, anthropology is like their prime area of interest because they want to influence how people think about those things. They want to influence the way we learn about cultures and societies and evolution. Now whether you are religious or not, I think this is a pretty thought-provoking subject. I have also talked about this topic of Darwin's evolution conflicting with biblical creation in terms of how the world began before on my podcast. And while some people believe everything about creation is made up or wrong, others believe everything about evolution is wrong. Looking at this as a Christian science major, I say that one explains the other in a way. They go hand in hand. You don't need to aim to falsify all of Christianity to prove that animals have gone extinct due to natural selection. And you don't need to deny that physiology has changed over time because you're a Christian and it's not in the Bible. I believe that there is an equilibrium to this. God doesn't have to be removed in order to study how the world works. But God is my foundation for the why. Just today, one of my professors said, humans are the only species on Earth that can ask and address questions about their origins and evolution. Now, if we had purely evolution, no God, which is what the early evolutionists wanted, an alternative theory without God being involved, then what or who gave us that ability and why? Why would a single cell like an archaea or a microbe or something suddenly gain the thought and motivation to swallow another one and form a eukaryotic cell, which would then grow and divide and form into all the different animals on earth, each with its own highly specialized set of genetic coding? I'm a human, so I don't know the answer to all the whys. That's why I trust God and read his word. It makes no sense any other way. Contrarily, my anthropology professor stated that nothing makes sense without evolution. But then we would have a disagreement on which part of life we're trying to make sense of, which is for another time, because that's pretty philosophical. But the natural selection stuff does make sense and is very real because adaptation or failure to adapt can have many different effects on the animal kingdom. We've seen it. Like which species will survive, produce viable offspring, and so on. And these adaptations to environmental changes have been happening long before the Industrial Revolution, which is why I don't believe that this climate change theory is something that is solely man-made, because the Earth has been changing climate-wise for as long as the Earth has existed. And animals have either failed to adapt to that or adapted well to that, and that contributes to their survival and then you know, heredity and everything else. But in talking about these things, colleges have professors who are making it a point to say non-human animals, and I've realized this, I've heard it in a lot of different classes, and they make sure they're saying it constantly. For most students, it probably doesn't even stand out. But saying animals and humans separately has become too anthropocentric This traditional thinking is disputed to be an ethical issue that shows itself in speciesism, and is human chauvinism at work. This is also negatively linked to religion, especially Christianity, because the Bible says in Genesis chapter one, verses 26 through 28, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle. Over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every other living thing that moves on earth. Then we have anthropocentrism. As defined by Britannica, regards humans as separate from and superior to nature and holds that human life has intrinsic value, while other entities, including animals, plants, mineral resources, and so on, don't. So because the world is increasingly secular and does not allow the space for disagreement, they will change the word meaning in that phrasing to make their theories more believable or to cover themselves and to push out the option for any kind of debate so now we can't just say that humans are smarter than worms or dogs are smarter than fish or whatever because that's speciesism and that when i bring up animals i should be saying non-human animal does this non-human animal does that and this implies that humans are animals and they use this phrasing continuously that's a purposeful effort And this brings me into my next topic. How can anyone just go change diction? And why do it in the first place? Well, not to sound dire or crazy, but there is a war on words going on right now. The left has taken this tactic of changing words to a brand new level. And it's a conscious effort, it is no accident. And it's not gonna get any better the left also perpetrates these manipulative word changes in places that have the most influence on young, developing minds. And that is schools. Primary school, middle school, high schools, mainly colleges, state-funded colleges, because students are paying to get their degrees of choice, or their parents are, or the taxpayers are, and that's what they're receiving. They're receiving left-wing narratives masqueraded as unbiased facts. Now, I'm in college. I'm studying the sciences because I have plans to either be a physician assistant or some kind of researcher. I would like to work in the health field, maybe combine that with art. That's why I was at one point thinking medical illustration, and it hasn't left my mind. But I want to do those things, and I want to have a science degree to back those things up. But I'm hearing this stuff daily. It's real, it is happening currently, it's been happening, and it's gone to another level. Each time the left changes a word, their efforts are to nudge society in the right direction, which of course to them is in their direction. And I have some example words just to put out there um, to really illustrate this whole concept. Word one, theory. There was a time when a theory meant an idea used to account for a situation or justify a course of action or simply an idea to explain something. So that original description actually does leave room for argument. It leaves some room for questioning. In an article from psychologytoday.com by the scientific fundamentalist, proofs only exist in mathematics and logic, not in science. It's also mentioned that all scientific knowledge is tentative and nothing is final that there is no such thing as final proven knowledge in science. The currently accepted theory of a phenomenon is simply the best explanation for it among all available alternatives. Its status as the accepted theory is contingent on what other theories are available and what might suddenly change tomorrow if there appears a better theory or new knowledge or something, new evidence that might change whatever the accepted theory is. Statisticians would agree with that too. Um, This author also said that real scientists never use the words scientific proof because they know no such thing exists. And anyone who uses the words proof or prove or proven in their discussion of science is not a real scientist. So this is coming from a big psychology website. And this person isn't taking one side or the other. They're just saying nothing in science can be 100% proven. A theory is that idea that you can choose to agree with or not. But with the progressive left in power, choice isn't really an option, regardless of what pro-abortion activists claim they stand for. The new definition of theory, as shown to science majors in universities nationwide, is stated in this way instead. The way we use theory differs from the common usage of theory. This is science. What is a scientific theory? And then everybody lists all the things that belong with scientific theories, like that they're based on the compilation of facts and hypotheses. They can make predictions for what we should observe and thus are constantly tested to try and falsify one or more tenants. Um, You can think of interesting questions. That's part of the scientific theory that helps you formulate your hypothesis. None of this stuff is wrong. But they always make sure to include that the way they're using theory is different than the common usage of theory. And then they go on to say evolutionary theory with evolution stated as the unifying concept of biology. And that it's an explanatory framework that we're gonna from now on base everything off of. They're even including like evolution and like all this stuff way more heavily in MCATs and other med school exams so undergrad colleges are really drilling this evolutionary theory into all of the science majors as the most important part of scientific foundation and the way that they're flip-flopping with the word theory that situational usage that's where the manipulation is happening and that whole thing is pretty contradictory to how students are encouraged to be open-minded So then for word 2, we have inclusion, which honestly, I'm really sick of seeing on every single email and every single assignment and everything. The state of being included, that's the original definition of this word. Now it's used as a blanket for many left-wing beliefs, such as, Inclusion means we use language that acknowledges diversity, conveys respect to all people, is sensitive to differences, and promotes equitable opportunities. Or that inclusion means we've become aware of our privileges, or lack thereof, in our interactions. And when they say inclusion is a welcoming culture for all in every space interaction and at all levels, they mean it's welcoming for everybody who agrees with them. The left does not handle disagreements well. I've mentioned this. Generally speaking, most progressive Democrats, especially the ones that are around my age that I've tried speaking with, don't even take the time to consider that what I'm saying could have some factual value that could be interesting to them. The only times I have noticed that they do listen to what I'm saying is if they don't know my political stance and they're just meeting me, but they see that I'm biracial, then they'll listen to me. And that's, that's shallow. Why would you listen to someone because of the color of their skin and be like, oh, pity, pity. Let me listen to what you're going to say. No, thank you. No, thank you. I think we should all be opposed to that. So clearly we know that they're making extra effort to include people, but not on the basis of the fact that every individual is different. Instead, on the basis of including certain groups who they've coined to be minorities and to be discriminated against or something based on external appearance for their own sake of looking like better people. And as quoted from the federalist.com, This situational use is what starts to condition how people feel about words, building up a new connotation. Then for word three, and it's not necessarily a word, it's a prefix, anti. And yes, it is just that prefix. And it of course means opposite or against, but the way that this prefix is being added to things makes it not only that, but more. Suppose someone is claiming to be an anti-racist, which is defined As a process of actively identifying and opposing racism, the goal of anti-racism is to challenge racism and actively change the policies, behaviors, and beliefs that perpetrate racist ideas and actions. So what they're doing is trying to change people's behavior that they don't like that they've coined to be racist. It also says that anti-racism is rooted in action. It's about taking the steps to eliminate racism at the individual, institutional, and structural levels and that Black Lives Matter as a movement has helped increase the focus on the importance of anti-racism. So, being anti-racist doesn't mean you're not a racist. It means you're taking action to combat things like white people's unconscious bias to people of color. And if you agree with the concept that all white people are inherently racist, you're a racist. You're not an anti-racist. You're in anti-agreement with them. In this excerpt from VeryWellMind.com, the author states that saying, but I'm not a racist, also allows people to avoid participating in anti-racism. It's a way of saying, that's not my problem, while failing to acknowledge that even people who are not racist still reap the benefits of a system that is biased against other people, and that people who believe they are not racist are often much more prejudiced than they think they are, end quote. So that perfectly sums up exactly what I was saying before. And they also said, quote, one study found that people who described themselves as believing strongly in racial equality tended to have significant implicit biases against black people, end quote. Note how they said one study, um, according to scientific and statistical research, the larger the amount of data in the set, the better studies should be repeated many times by many different researchers and if all conclusions are similar or close to similar at the end of the experiment or at the end of the survey and plotted on a graph it might even show that there's some kind of relationship be it a linear one or like something else a parabola or something one study is not enough to make such large and confident statements especially if they're statements that you're trying to force someone else to believe long story short there's a war on words The left does not care about your opinions at all if it isn't the same as theirs. And science majors, stay aware out there. And with that, I'm going to conclude this episode of The Essentials. Thank you guys for listening. It always means a lot to me. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I hope you can share something with somebody else enlighten them a little bit on the fact that um there is a war on words i am a linguistics minor and a little bit of a nerd about language i think it's awesome but there's a war on it and i'm fighting it actively so get out there and do the same and also check out all our other great podcasters that are here on the bng network